1: From a network of highly secure top secret no- locations across South Texas, this is the Spurs Insider Podcast 2 and 5 edition. Um since we spoke to you last, the Spurs have had a breakthrough and then a setback. I'm not sure where we want to start, but I am your host as always Mike Finger, joined by Express News Sports editor Nick Talbot, the uh, inimitable Ringo star Tom Orsborn, and the polarizing Jeff McDonald. Do you want to start with the good or the bad Tom Orsborn?
2: Well, um, I got to correct you a bit, Mike. Secure locations outside of South Texas. Oh, that's true. That's true. We've already had our first error. Tom is in Indiana. Yes. At a, at a secure undisclosed location.
0: Okay. Uh, in the uh, Marriott chain. As I was gonna say, which Marriott? Yeah.
2: I mean, last night, uh, I saw it coming. I, I even, uh, not to toot my horn, but I, I saw it coming last week, um, with, you know, the way Indiana was playing there at home, um, you know they're going to be desperate. They needed this. They needed the win last night. What I didn't see coming was I thought the Spurs would have some momentum, momentum coming off that Milwaukee win, but they did not. Uh, from the beginning, as Pop said, they were following uh, the Bucks around, and uh, you know he he his postgame comments were strong, but he you know he held back. It wasn't what he would say in the past. It wasn't as as, uh, uh, forceful as what he would say in the past, but he got his point across. The biggest disappointment for him was those kind of games happen with the way the schedule falls. You know, your team's coming off a big win. There's a letdown. The other team's desperate. You're on the road. But, you know, he was surprised that it happened that early in the season, this early in the season. That was was the biggest disappointment for him.
0: How much of it was Indiana just shooting the lights out of that place to start the game and just –
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. But the Spurs played into that, Um, you know, they, they let Sabonis, they ran that pick and roll. They never, as Jakob Pertl said, they never had an answer for it. You know, with the outside shooting that, that opened up more space, it just kind of played hand in hand. And I, and I agree, uh, the Pacers shot the lights out, but as I said, the Spurs just didn't, you know, they didn't have that energy from the start. They weren't, a lot of those were open looks because they weren't rotating. They weren't getting out on the perimeter. Um, so, yeah, Indiana started hard, hot, but the Spurs played into it with the, with the way they started. Well, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday uh, for, the, for the viewers
1: out there who might be wondering or, or listeners, whatever they are. Um, and in the, in the Tuesday edition of the San Antonio Express News, I believe I read something from Ringo about how great the defense has been for this yeah. team. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of confusing to me to hear about a game on Monday night in which uh, the defense might not have been so
2: impressive. So what's going yeah. on? What is going on? But what is with going this team on in Indianapolis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the danger of the world we live in. Uh, not to uh-huh. get too inside baseball, but it's uh, kind of how we have to operate. You, you go in, you've got, you've got an angle. They crack. They cracked the uh, top ten in defensive rating coming into this month. Um, you know they played really well in Milwaukee defensively, and then you know it's just a just a letdown, just one of those things. And uh, but the defense know, has not
1: been a fluke uh, up until no. up until Monday yeah. night. They they talked in the preseason about wanting to be more active. I believe if you look at the analytics. The, the numbers back up that they're playing at a much higher pace than they did last year and, and actually a, in the top half of the league in pace. Uh, the defensive numbers, the, the, the analytics back up the eye test there. And yeah, there was one step back, but when we're, when we're talking about, we're doing this podcast once a week. So I know there's a temptation to focus on one bad game. But as a whole, I think things are going pretty much as we sort of expected them to go, right?
0: I think I think the defense flopped in Indiana because the young Spurs uh, can both read the future and their own press clippings. <laughs> uh, they, they, the they got a little too full of themselves, maybe. No, I'm kidding. I, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Um, what the identity they tried to they've been talking about setting to start the season is you, the pieces of it are there. You see it and you maybe don't see it. For 48 minutes every night, or from you know consecutive games in a row, but you can see what they're trying to do. Get really disruptive with the defense. When they're when they're at their best, it's like all arms and legs flailing on defense, and it's Dejounte picking off a pass, and uh, you know Devin Vassell getting his hand in there and knocking one loose, and Derek White drawing a charge, and, and you know things like that. And that that fuels the offense going the other way. When they when they have to start slow down and play in a half court game, which if you want to go back to the the, the, uh, the Dallas game that was has occurred since our last podcast. That's kind of what Dallas did, is keep that thing really slow and make the Spurs execute in a half court. And that's more much more difficult for them to do over the course of four quarters um, than it is if they're getting some easy um, fast break buckets. I mean, I I, I don't know. I didn't I haven't checked the numbers today, but at one point they were like top five in fast break points per game yep. in the league. And uh, when is the last time we have said that about the San Antonio? Uh, by goodness, Spurs. They're never a fast break team. And but that's really a part of their identity this year. Um, and you use you see what they're trying to do. They don't always pull it off. Sometimes they do it well, but don't win the game. We can talk about their fourth quarter fumbles on some of these games if you want, because that's kind of like they do what they need to do um for three and a half quarters, and then you get into a, a half court game in the fourth and they they have had trouble pulling those out. But the pieces of what they want to be, you can see, you can see there. Yeah, I guess that's a transition we could make and
1: um, one going back one game from the Indiana uh, debacle uh, was the win of the year, the win of the century. I win think it's called it as he walked into his massive post-game press conference where he, he saw only quote the same two bozos with the same bozo coach uh, in the, in the post-game media room in Milwaukee um, in that game. Actually, before that game, I had mentioned to the polarizing Jeff McDonald that 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 contest was gonna go one of two ways. Uh either your local cagers were gonna just be blown the heck out of the building by the defending champs because they'd been close so many times in a row and hadn't gotten there, or they were gonna play a close game that they finally were gonna win. And the latter is what happened. And to to recap the week, there were the Lakers game was after our last podcast, right? Uh, I, I think we're looking forward to the Lakers game before the last one. I, I might okay. be wrong about that. I think you're correct. So, so that game uh, just, no, 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 no. I guess that was the night before our last podcast, but there was another one in between there. Anyway, um, the Mavericks game, they get out to an 18 to one lead, 25 to five lead and do not finish that one off. It was continuing a trend of getting out to leads and not being able to finish them off. they finally did it against the Bucks. And they did it in ways – I mean, the details were encouraging not just the result. You saw DeJounte Murray show off basically every part of his game down the stretch, whether it was a pull-up elbow jumper or a drive to the basket or a three-pointer. You saw Keldon Johnson finally after missing so many three-pointers this season and the staff continuing to encourage him to keep shooting them. He hit a key one from the corner. Um, If we were to – if we would have taped this podcast on Monday – morning before the Indiana game, we would have been talking about what a breakthrough this team had, in, had right. made in so many different forms.
0: Right. That, I mean, it wasn't the win of the century, but it was the win of the season so far because they put a lot of things together and seemed to exercise those uh, fourth quarter demons a little bit. And we don't expect a young team. Like, it's not like, Oh, we, you know, it's like they figured it out against Milwaukee. So they figured it out now. I mean, there's going to be where they say progress is not a straight line kind of like that with with a young young basketball team. We're going to see some slippage there. But it was encouraging uh, just from the fact of having – I mean, it, it was getting to the point where it was g- going to be demoralizing for for this young team to get all these games into the fourth quarter and then not be able to pull them out, not be able to pull them out, not be able to pull them out. You, you get this uh, – it's just human nature, uh, especially with young players that haven't been around the NBA so much, that when you have a stretch of that, you just start – the self-doubt seems to – creep in a little bit. So I think for more than, for more reasons than uh, the, the, no bigger reason than that for them to be able to pull that out on the road against the uh, defending NBA champions, um, you know, was, was a good sign. It was good for the psyche, good for the soul and all that. Uh, I also noticed Milwaukee went in there and lost
2: again the next night at home. So I don't know. Jeff's right. It would have started, started to get demoralizing. And, uh, you know, last night really hurt them and that's pop, pop, said that he hopes it hurts. And, you know, I talked to Jakob and Derek after the game. And yeah, they they looked uh they looked like uh they were embarrassed. And uh that's a good sign, you know, um I I look for a bounce back uh after what happened. And uh yeah, but it's it's as Jeff pointed out, it's a roller coaster ride with a young team. It's just it's just gonna be like this probably throughout the year. Well, here's here's one part of the roller coaster uh, that has been constant
0: throughout this year is um, you know win or lose, whether they blow the game or play well, win the game um, every day. I know where he's going. It's every it's it's the morning
1: of games. It's post games. It's pre game. It's 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 win or lose.
0: I don't I don't want to get our host in trouble here. I don't want to get our host in trouble here. But go go ahead.
1: And no fin- no, fin- I'm just saying what Jeff is about to describe is one of the damnedest. One of the damnedest things I've ever seen in the universe. Go ahead. <laughs> Greg
0: Popovich has been a delight to...
1: Delightful.
0: To, to, to deal with. To I mean, deal with even if this is the wrong word. It's like to be around, to ask questions of, to learn basketball from. I mean, you can just ask. It's uh, it's almost like a, like twice a day on game day, you get a, like a Reddit Ask Me Anything with Greg Popovich because you can ask him anything. The listeners of this podcast are assuming that we're being
1: sarcastic because from time to time on this podcast, we have, we have sort of ventured on the, on, on the tangents of sarcasm. And so there are going to, there's going to be some hesitancy. I can feel you out there, you know, running, running your, your, your laps, uh, uh, driving in traffic, whatever you do when you listen to the podcast and you're thinking these, these bozos are, are making fun of how mean Greg Popovich has been. They're not sincere they're, they're poking fun at him. Nothing could be further from the truth. We're not making fun of the man. The man has been a delight every day of this season. They're two and five and there, there has not been a more positive talkative, just delightful coach in all of professional sports this year than Greg Popovich. I mean, they
0: basically hired
1: Ted Lasso. They have hired Ted Lasso. It's (laughs) been incredible. In, in all seriousness, because people might be tempted to think that I'm poking fun. I think he made a conscious decision. This is speculative on my part, but he knew this was going to be a tough year. He knew it was going to be a rebuilding year. And I think he made a conscious decision just to be positive and to be, uh, delightful. I keep using that phrase, but to just to be cooperative. And, and I, I, I think that maybe he could be. This is, this is crazy. He could be a Spurs Insider podcast listener that after months and months and months of hearing the upbeat sign offs, <laughs> if, if he, he finally bought in.
0: <laughs> let me, let me, let me say this about pop. I think the general public thinks of him in, in a certain demeanor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think, it, I think the, the, the negative ones go viral. The ones where you quote unquote get popped or like the right. sideline interviews, they go viral. And those, and they, you know, you don't see the, you don't see the, t- the effusive 10 minute uh, uh, answer about, you know, you know, what Kelda needs to do here or there. You see, you know, the, the, the sarcastic ones. And I like those too, but I yeah. think, yeah. Um, I think a lot of the the viewers who aren't listeners, listeners who aren't viewers think of pop as just a hundred percent that guy all the time. And that has not not been the case for always
1: for years. There's always been good pop and, and you'd get, you'd get great pop in a pregame in Philadelphia or New York. And, you know, you'd get good pop a couple times a week. What would happen Um, was
0: you'd get, you'd get good pop before the game. And you would say, well, there's good pop. We're getting bad pop after the game. And that would would happen 99% of the time. There's no bad pop so far this season. No bad pop interviews. Um, you know, it, it he he's making jokes. He's making jokes off off camera. He's poking his head in the media rooms and telling us to go
2: get he, wine. Uh-huh. He uh, he even asked me last night if I was lonesome. What? <laughs> I, I, I was touched. Uh huh.
1: I was touched
2: because <laughs> uh, I was the only. You know, me and uh, uh, one of the Spurs staffers were the only people in the press room. So <laughs> media room. So yeah, I was yeah, touched.
0: I, I was touched I, again. We're I do. We're just speculating, but I think uh, our host's uh, speculation is probably spot on. Like, if, he tested if this he, theory if he out
1: is. and asked him a question that begins with "How much?" just to see how he answers it this year versus oh, oh, okay. those are the questions he never oh, wanted to answer because he. Okay, listen to this. he even had a lot of
2: happy slip. He even admitted he was happy at one point this season about something this burst in. I forget what. But.
1: Well, well, Nick Talbot brings up a point, um, and and uh, that is for someone like. The polarizing Jeff McDonald, who is in his 15th year as a Spurs beat writer, as a as a daily chronicler of Greg Popovich, Um, Tom Orsborne and uh, yours truly have been in and around the area even longer than that. Not on a daily basis as long as Jeff, but we were around way, you know, basically for the entirety of the pop experience and all of us who have been around pop for any length of time have been conditioned for certain uh, uh, trigger words, uh, trigger questions that are just not going to work. Like you, sometimes you can tell within the first two seconds of a question, how it's going to end. And that person could talk for 20 seconds. Like I'm rambling on now, but in the first right. two seconds of the question that some person in Denver or in Memphis Denver- begins, to, begins to ask the question of pop, you know, it's going to end like- horribly.
0: Like number one, number, number one among those is if you can, and you can sense this coming, is if the purpose, of, the purpose of the setup to the question is for the uh, questioner to sort of establish how smart he is in basketball right, or how much he knows. Right, right, right. This All is those types bad. of things.
1: Yeah. Like he's just going to reject it. It's terrible. You can tell right away. It's almost like a, a second nature, an instinct now in the back of your head. You know, without a doubt. That pop's not going to answer this question. That he's just going to swat it back like Dikembe Matumbo.
2: The questions that begin with uh, "how" are inevitably right. followed by "what do I have? A meter? Some kind of meter? to this? What Can am I the answer? What am I the answer man? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and anything uh, if you get to, you know, if you want to know a little too much about the defense, what's working? What? What do you want me to give you a clinic? I'm going to give you a right. clinic. Right. So (laughs) multiple
1: times this season, we have heard those trigger words. We have heard those questions coming from people. And Jeff and I and Tom have kind of just sat back on our chair and waited. We
0: lock eyes. We know it's coming.
1: We know it's shake our heads and think, you know, this poor son of a gun is just going to get it. This old hunk of coal coal is just going to he has no idea what he's in for with this answer and And like pop
0: lets it go. he delightfully answers it, and it gives like a five minute response that's amazing and and informative, and like helps you understand the game better. It's amazing, <laughs> yes,
1: you know what's happening is we're almost he's almost letting us get lax in terms of our question asking because in the past, like let's say you're interviewing uh Steve Kerr, Frank Vogel, they're so um non-threatening that you can get away with asking kind of lazy questions and they're going to help you out. Talk, talk about whatever they'll happily talk about it. Like you don't have to really hone your metal of your, uh, sharpen your sword of, of question asking when a guy lets you get away with stuff with pop. And way back in the day, um, uh, I, I covered a fellow named Bob Knight at Texas tech and would go to some of his press conferences. And that's the only one I can really compare it to in terms of you had to think in advance of precisely which words you were going to use in your question to these guys, or he could flip it back at you. Like if you made the wrong slip up there, like you could, you just wouldn't get the answer that you wanted. So you had to, you had to be precise with your language. It made you a better interviewer. If you know that, that your question is going to be flipped back at you if you don't use the right words for years, like pop actually, in being bad pop, made you a better interviewer. Now he's letting people
0: get away with stuff, and it's sort of disappointing. I think what's happening is the more we talk about it, we're going to ruin it. Uh, he's, I, I, well, you might be right because he does listen to the podcast. Clearly, yeah, we might he, ruin it.
1: Yeah. I okay. Let me ask you this to kind of spin it forward. Um, what will ruin this aside from us talking about it? Like when oh. is when yep. when is he finally going to get fed up? It wasn't last night. He was, he was, he was helpful last night after a, a shellacking. Wasn't
2: he Tom? Yeah. Yeah. He had a statement presser, you know, where, where he, yeah. he wants to make a statement and then there's no, there's no questions coming after that. He's just not going to take them. It's, right. it's, it's pointless, but yeah, he, he got his point across. It was, it was, uh, it was good stuff. He was very good before the game. Yeah. So when's it, when, when does it run out? When they start winning again, <laughs> I think you're right. I think that's the right answer.
1: Yeah. And Jeff can speak to this, but for years, uh, when the Spurs were contending for championships, some of the, some of the best post-game pops were after losses, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was almost, that was almost uncanny. Not all, well, not always, but, but the tough losses um, where he kind of thought the team needed a, needed a boost, needed, needed a, little, you know, attaboy, he would, he would be good. And then, you know, they go out there and win by 20 and you'd hear about how the pick and roll defense in the third quarter was, was lax. I remember, you know, you know, one that just sticks out is like Rudy Gay winning, beating Phoenix to like get the buzzer on a buzzer beater and everybody's so happy. And Pop, maybe rightfully so at the time, as bad as Phoenix was, was just the whole post game was just ranting about how poorly they played to get in the position where Rudy Gay had to bail him out at the end. So it was almost, you know, uh, you know, it was, it was calculated And it may still be calculated Like like uh, Tom says When they get on a nice little winning streak There might be a bring them back to Bring them back to, to earth kind of thing If they ever get on that winning streak That's the thing If they're going to win they, they, may, they may never have that winning streak And we might just get this up all year Well, Ringo um, On the past couple of podcasts
1: Has been pretty uh, Has had some pretty prescient Analysis about how the upcoming games are going to go. I think you I mean, might have yeah, like that.
0: He's like that he chicken, have, like that, chicken that, that predicts the Super Bowl at Ocarina it, or whatever. That even was. a
2: blind hog finds an acorn every now and then, right?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't, well, I don't what, have hogs.
1: What I'm asking is, like, okay, Tom, do you have in your secure location with the concierge lounge and the, uh, and the what have you, uh, do you have uh, access to an upcoming Spurs schedule that you can kind of shed light for the people out there? who might be wondering uh, how, how the next week or so will go.
2: I think I can find one, mic. Hang on. <laughs> Dip in them. My... You don't know off the top of
1: your head. I believe they're playing the uh, the Mavericks of Dallas on Wednesday.
0: They're playing the Mavericks, and then they go to o- Orlando, and then they go to or- Oklahoma. I can't speak. Orlando, and then Oklahoma City. Those are the next okay. three, I know.
2: So how the, be- how's that going to go? Last week saying they would beat Dallas. I'm, I'm going to stick with that. It's their okay. second time around with them. Uh, They're at home. They're coming off, uh, you know, an embarrassing loss. So I see them beating Dallas Wednesday night Uh for the second greatest game of the century. We we don't know if Porzingis is playing in that game. That's true, but with or without him, with or without him, it does sound like defensive stalwart
0: Maxi Kleber is not going to play. But they might get Uh, then
1: a big revenge game for the uh, Orlando Magic.
2: Yes but I'm going to stick with our Spurs, our local cagers in that one. Okay. That's, that's a two game winning streak. You just predicted. Yes. And, first then, of the I, year. and then the
1: team with the, 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 uh, do they have the worst record in the Western conference, the Oklahoma city thunder?
2: Yeah. But aren't they kind of like the Spurs? They play hard every night. They're, they're in the game. I think. So, what you, so what's going to happen there? They, they came back and beat the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. You're copping I, out. I, I, no, I I'm hard, no, I'm going I'm to stick with the Spurs win there. Three game
1: a, winning streak coming yeah, up. Three people. game winning streak. That'll so, be the end of happy pop. That's yeah, what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So
1: at the end of this three game losing winning streak at oh is it at Oklahoma City correct?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is is that a Jeff or Tom game? That is a Jeff game, buddy. So Jeff, are you prepared for bad pop after that third? win in a row for the Spurs.
0: I'm just going to make a friend of the podcast, Taylor Hare, ask all the questions after that one.
1: (laughs) I don't think he's he's allowed. Um, Speaking of Taylor Hare, uh, Spurs videographer extraordinaire, one of his projects on the most recent um, road trip was to chronicle the acceptance of a championship ring, a large, gaudy, uh, extravagant championship ring for one of the Spurs Insider Podcast's favorite players of the, of the listeners, Brent Forbes, and who, who sort of played a key role in the upset, the win of the century, later that night in Milwaukee. And um, don't want to spend too much time on Brent Forbes, but he's already had quite an up-and-down uh, start to his
0: return to the
1: Spurs, has he not?
0: He has, to answer your question. Uh-huh. Would, you like to, would you like me to expound?
1: I mean, it seems like that is what one might do on a podcast, but (laughs) whatever you'd like to do.
0: First, uh, what's a podcast? (laughs) 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 Yeah, he he was... Before they rolled into Dallas, really. So really those first um, four games of the season... He wasn't shooting it well, A, and B. He just wasn't playing much. Like, he, st- uh-huh. I, he started he started off the season uh, – I'm doing – I've got the game log up, so I'm doing the addition right now. But he started off the season like, – I six carry the one. Started off the season one of 12 from the floor over the first four games, rolling into, into that game at Dallas. Uh, broke out of it a little bit there um, and scored 15 points and made five three-pointers, and it was kind of a big reason the Spurs had a chance to win that game. Then rolls into Milwaukee, where he uh, was uh, honored before the game and uh, scored 16 more, uh, including some big buckets in the second half. And then uh, even in Indiana, I don't know that he played played great, but um, he made all his shots. He was 3-3 three to three from the floor. So, uh, you know, that, that game before they went on the road trip, he played three game three minutes against the Lakers. He played three minutes no. of an overtime game against the Lakers. He missed both shots. Uh, he turned the ball over. Pop took him out, never put him back in. Um really started to get some run in that Dallas game and he, and he's producing. This is kind of what you, you, this is what you get to live with with Bryn Forbes. When he's hitting shots, uh, you, you you, you keep the minutes coming. And when he's not, uh, maybe you go away from a little, little quickly. And I'm not a fan of doing that with a lot of players. Like, like it's a make or miss league. You can't, you can't totally base a player's playing time on whether they make their first couple of shots because that just ends up, you know, messing with their heads. But uh, yeah. like he's a he's a guy that that when he's rolling, he's helping you. And and when he's not, it's probably time to let somebody else try to help.
1: I would posit that that is exactly right. And that
0: what? Luis, uh, can we can we play this clip on Twitter <laughs> later? What what did you say again? Can I you posit what now? I don't remember. <laughs> um, the no, I I think they're handling
1: Brent Forbes um, and it's exactly the way. Bren Forbes' minutes should be handled. He's a guy, if he's not making shots, he's not really helping you. And that might sound a bit insulting, but I think it's just sort of the way it is. And when you sign him, you expect him to come off the bench and, and make three-pointers. As a team that knew three-point shooting. And if he's not doing that, there's no reason to have him out there. And I think that part of the reason why people were upset about the Brent Forbes experience the first time around was the idea that he was keeping... Uh, younger guys other guys that people wanted to see off the floor and so i would think i've i mean i'm not monitoring the the moods of every spurs fan out there in the world but i would find it hard to believe that anybody would would have a problem with uh how he's being treated so far this season i i think it, it, exactly what you said he wasn't helping in those games where he was struggling so he didn't play and then when he when he does help you it's nice to bring that guy off the bench and really the way i think we talked before the season about all the, the the depth that the spurs had and they had all these options at this point there's really not a whole lot of guys who aren't playing that you figure should be playing it's it's almost like uh they don't have enough at this point um I, josh Primo's the exception we're, we're not going to do another episode on josh primo here but it, it it seems like the minutes are sort of allocating themselves in a way. I I don't have any huge qualms with who's been used and who's not being used. Maybe we can get into Thad Young. Uh, that's what the, I was going to
0: say. I guess you were talking about young players mostly. Um, yeah, as opposed to I, I, the
1: young player.
0: The young player. I'm just I'm just curious. It kind of depends on your goals with Thad Young, right? I mean, I think if your goals are just to let young players play, maybe that's what you do. But... Uh, in in the microcosm of trying to win an NBA basketball game, I think that's a guy that if you give him to 10, 12 minutes a night, will do some things for those 10 or 12 minutes that are going to help you win the game. And he wasn't playing like at all, like at all until that Milwaukee game. And that's kind of exactly what happened. He played, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but played 10, 10, 12 minutes and, and kind of back to back the box score in those minutes. Um, And and they were important minutes in that game because Jakob was in foul trouble and you don't want Drew Eubanks like getting all the backup center minutes. So um, if you're trying to win games, I think maybe giving Thad young, a, a longer look will be helpful. And also if you're trying to trade Thad young, giving Thad young, a longer look would be helpful. Yeah. Hey Jeff, how would you, what one word would you use to describe Thad Young? He is. Let me think. I'm going to think, I'm going to think, <laughs> I'm going to think I'm going to dig deep into my, into my, I, I would say this, this is, is going to be a little uh-huh. out there. Uh-huh. It's going to be a little out there. It's going to be a little like, uh, like people are gonna be like, what? That doesn't sound uh-huh. like Fad young. But what I'm going to yeah. say is, uh, Professional, there you go. Ding, ding, everyone, ding, ding, ding. Everyone,
2: everyone. Well, calls that was, Thad young, that, young was a pro. that was a joke.
0: Of course, he's professional. That's what everyone starts. That's what everyone. Every time you ask any player or coach uh, about Thad Young, that's the first sentence that they say. He's a pro. He's I think, a professional.
2: I think, I, think,
0: I think maybe the question we need to ask is that when you think of Thad Young, what is the second thing you think of, and see what <laughs> yes. those answers are. Is that my yes. be Well, it was. It was
1: um, kind of fascinating to hear thad young speak after the milwaukee game after he had complain about, this game complain
0: about playing time without complaining about playing complaining, uh, complaining about playing time right look look up front
1: first thing i want to say about thad young is he's a pro <laughs> second thing i want to say about that young is in a very professional way and i mean this sincerely like he was he talked about all the ways he was helping the younger guys. Wanted Dejounte to come along. His encouragement to Keldon Johnson. Very much an involved teammate on this team. Despite my unfortunate situation, but he comes. There was all these asides. Despite my unfortunate situation, despite I wanted to play more. He made it very clear he wants to play more. Like he's not the happiest pro in, in the world of pros these days. And really, to his credit, that, that's to his credit. Yes, like exactly. He's, he wants to play more. Um, he, he is sort of unhappy with the role he's given. He thought that when he's on this young team, he's the only veteran. Of course he's going to play. He hasn't been playing that much. Um, but I mean, the teammates like him, he's, he's, he's patting DeJounte and Kelvin, all these guys in the back. He seems like a guy you'd want to have
0: on your team. Well, when you look at him on the, yeah. When you look at him on the bench, he's engaged. He's yeah. kind of in time, in timeouts. He's, he's got somebody that he's, you know, got players off the side that he's given, Advice too. I mean, he gave us a, a pretty pretty inside look at what he told Keldon Johnson in that Milwaukee game when Keldon was 0 for four and was starting to pass up three pointers. About yep. hey, you know, don't basically don't defend yourself. Right. Like, that, like the, the one you just took that you that that spooked you was in and out. It was a perfect shot, Keldon. So the next one has to go up. It was a perfect shot, and the third one definitely has to go up. And and Keldon made that corner three. So that's kind of where. I mean that that young veteran presence around is helpful for the Spurs, and it's, they're they're lucky so far that he's been willing to do that. Um, again, he's not a bad player to play some as well. so I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen a little more.
2: We're missing the what it when it comes to playing time, we're missing the burning the hot topic of the day. Um, What's that? What do you do now with Jock Landell after jock after twenty six year old Australian rookie Jock Landell? becomes the first Spur since Jack Haley did it in 1995 and only the third Spur in franchise history to score double figures in five minutes or less. Is it a good thing? Night.
1: Is it a good thing to be on the list as the only since Jack Haley? That's
2: right, And that's, <laughs> by what the is way, that? that, by the way, is courtesy of a friend of the podcast, Spurs, PR. Um, Maven. Maven, Jordan. Hallenstein. yes, Airless
1: Jordan for those of you. Airless out there. Jordan and, on Twitter at Airless Jordan. And while you're on the internet, by the way, like check out Airless Jordan. But then, I mean, and Wait, again, I don't other know,
0: things to do on the internet.
1: I don't know why I have to bring this up. It's almost insulting to the listeners because if the listeners are listening to the Spurs Insider podcast, they care about the Spurs, they care about San Antonio, and of course they're already on ExpressNews.com, and they're probably, I mean, they're definitely already. Expressnews.com subscribers. And of course they've they've gotten on the Spurs Nation uh mailing list. So it's like insulting for me to keep bringing it up. I'm not gonna do it this time. I'm not gonna mention any of that. Not this time. Um, anything that I've missed before we wind this down?
0: Uh no. Okay. I mean, we can talk some more about a lot of things, but we also have to do more podcast. We have to do more podcasts later,
2: so we can say You covered that. everything from soup to nuts. I never Very knew what that job. meant. What does that
0: phrase mean, soup to nuts? I don't know. My uh my colleague uh, Glenn
2: Rogers used to say that all the I time. Ca- I don't
0: know the origin of that phrase because there's there's a lot of things that are outside of soup to nuts as well. So I don't, I don't understand how doesn't you.
2: know on this podcast.
1: Yeah, we we'll forgot reviving it. We'll bring that back next week and fi- find out if anybody um figured out what soup to nuts means. Um, I do think that it would be wise heading into next week to think of that young. Um, because really, and, and, and again, there are people out there who think that I'm taking shots when I, uh, when I sincerely compliment someone's attitude. Like, I guess that's just something about me where people think that I'm not giving a full-throated endorsement. I don't know what that's
0: be. Why do would-
1: I don't, I don't understand that either, but in all sincerity, again, like look to Thad Young. This is a guy who knows in his words that he's not in a great situation. Like he keeps talking about his own unfortunate situation, but Even if you acknowledge that your situation could be better, that shouldn't stop you from patting people on the back around you. That shouldn't stop you from looking to the man to your left, the woman to your right, thinking I can help build the potential of these people around me. And that is how I make my mark. It is not up to your coach in life, to your supervisor, to whoever is keeping you down. They do not have power over the contributions that you can make to other people. And so as you venture out into the world before the next Spurs Insider podcast, be that young, take control of your own situation, as unfortunate as it may be, have and a make the, have a purpose, make the people around you better. And when you get your chance, don't look immediately look for your shot, make a nifty little pass on a fast break, create something for other for other people. And in the meantime, take care of each other and keep it real. We'll see
0: you. <laughs>